We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is how do you respond to people who refuse to hear your argument? They won't even attend to the details of what you're saying. They go down these rabbit trails of non sequiturs, like what about Trump, when that isn't even what you're talking about, or they venture into shooting the messenger because they just don't like the message and they don't want to hear it. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. So today's topic is non sequiturs, uh, shooting the messenger, the fallacy of ad hominem. These fallacies that are constantly in play today when a conservative or frankly anybody else makes an argument. Sometimes conservatives are guilty of doing the exact same thing. And if you're listening to me and you fancy yourself as a conservative, don't do that. Don't ignore the message and just shoot the messenger because you don't like the person or their tone or their delivery. Attend to the details of what they're saying. Listen to their argument and refute it. Don't attack them, okay? If you're a conservative, you need to discipline yourself to do that. Now, another strategy of those that want to ignore the message is to constantly distract from it and just say, well, I don't care what you said. I'm not even going to attend to your argument. I'm just going to throw up the... Trump derangement syndrome response, which is constantly and oh so predictably, what about Trump? You guys support this very, 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 very bad man, and therefore your argument is something I'm not even going to hear. They don't even bother to ask you if you do or don't support Trump, and they fail to recognize that the argument you're making has absolutely nothing to do with him or those that support him. For example, if you're arguing for pro-life issues, if you're arguing for the sanctity of life and that a child should have the right to live and his right or her right supersedes the quote-unquote right of Planned Parenthood or a mother to kill that child because they find that other human being to be inconvenient. Is anything I just said relevant to Donald Trump? Nothing I just said has anything to do with him. But the response of those who are pro-choice is almost always, what about Trump? It's Trump derangement syndrome. It's TDS. They can't think clearly, so they attack you with that non sequitur, that argument of non-sequence. It makes no sense. It has nothing to do with your premise, with the ideas that you're presenting, that a child is a separate human being and should be protected uh, morally, ethically, and legally, constitutionally. That child is not just a mass of cells like, like a tumor, that you're carrying around in your body. No, this is another human being that is separate from you. It just happens to be located in a woman before she gives birth, but it's still a separate human being. You can have that argument without ever referring to Trump, or anybody else for that matter, and you should. Okay, so today's show is going to be a direct response to a couple of folks who don't like what I've said recently in the Washington Times. I'm going to read their objection, and then I'm going to share with you 
what I think a logical, reasonable response to this would be. And then I'm going to deal with the issue of the Old Testament prophets and how they were constantly attacked because people either didn't like their tone or they didn't like their message. So what the king did was shoot the messenger rather than listen to what he was saying. Another way of saying it is this, the people as well as the potentate uh, labeled, marginalized, accused the messenger of being crazy, being a lunatic, being too harsh, being too strident, being disloyal to the community, hurting economic development or whatever it was then. That's what's going on now. The same thing is happening over and over again. The voice of alarm, the voice of warning, the voice of reason, the voice that attends to thousands of years of lessons that we should attend to, that voice is being silenced. It's verboten. It's unwelcome. That prophetic voice, if you will, is one that the king and the community doesn't like. So they cancel it by the use of these fallacious responses of non sequiturs, ad hominems, ad populums, fallacies, arguments that don't make any sense, arguments that in the end will lead to lies rather than truth. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group, proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, so welcome back to the rebellion. So let's deal with a couple uh, actual responses or criticisms that I've received this past week, and hopefully they'll be instructive for you as you listen to this. Again, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, and at least one of these cases I don't even know who it is that's criticizing me. It's somebody anonymous. Um. All right, so one person responded to an article that I wrote a couple weeks ago. I've referred to it here on the show. It's an article where I called out the drag queen performances in the public parks here in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And I said they're wrong. This is a public park, and we shouldn't have to worry about our children being exposed to uh, adult entertainment, sexual entertainment, provocative entertainment. 
in public spaces in our communities, whether it be on your sidewalk or on your streets or in a local public park. All of these spaces are, by definition, available for anybody in the community to use at will. If you want to walk on the sidewalk to go to your neighbor, you can. If you want your kid to be able to ride his bicycle down the sidewalk across the local park and to a neighbor's house on the other side of said park, then I think everybody listening to me would agree that that's something that you should be able to enjoy as a law-abiding citizen of your local town, your local village, your local city, and whatnot. So that's been compromised in Bartlesville because the... uh, drag queen performance that took place on September 10th was in one of those public spaces. And any kid riding his bicycle through that park would have been exposed to that adult entertainment therein. I think that's wrong, and I think the city ordinances clearly prohibit that. There are laws on the books that say no lewd or lascivious or purient behavior should take place in our public spaces, in our community. And if a bunch of men dressed up Like women, like I've said a thousand times, fishnet stockings, knee-high boots, leotards, exaggerated makeup and costume, are imposing that entertainment, quote-unquote, on all the rest of the people that can avail themselves of that public space. I I would argue that's wrong. It's a violation of the community ordinances. And whether you're a Christian or not, it seems to be that anybody with a modicum of objectivity left in their mind ought to be able to understand this. That's my argument. Well, one of the responses on a on the Washington Times website, where there's a series of responses, a thread in response to this particular column. One person, the most recent person, who goes by the handle Love for All, don't know whether it's a man or a woman, don't know the person, have no idea, says this, you sure are opinionated and judgmental for somebody that didn't even go to the event. Okay, full stop right there. How do they know whether I was or was not at the event? Uh, Maybe they do know, but My first question would be, why is that relevant, number one, and how do you know? Does that have anything to do with my argument against this? Can I not evaluate it even if I wasn't there? And isn't your statement merely a distraction from the facts that are in play right now? That this is a public park and adult entertainment has no place in that public space. And that you are imposing your lifestyle, your religion, if you will, on everybody else and forcing us to be part of that in the public arena, in the public park, on the streets, on the sidewalks, in our community. This is a violation of mutual respect. That's a violation of our city ordinances. That's my argument. So this response that, well, you're sure opinionated and judgmental. Well, yeah, I am making a judgment, and so is this person. When everybody says you're being judgmental, that's a judgment that they're making against you. So again, they have one finger of accusation pointed out at you as being judgmental, not realizing that they have three fingers of judgment pointing back at themselves because they can't accuse you of being judgmental without being judgmental themselves. You follow me here? Now, she then goes on, or he goes on, to say that uh, it's real simple. If going to a drag show isn't your thing, then that's fine. Don't go. Fine. I don't want to go. The point is you're bringing it out in the public square, and if I'm driving by or walking through or picnicking in this park, um, I am the one that's being offended by you bringing your religion, your worldview, your behavior therein into this public space and forcing all of the rest of us to watch or leave. That's not what a public park is for. That's not what public space is for. This is an adult performance. It's adult entertainment, if that's what you want to call it, and therefore, by definition, it should be private, not public. 
Um, so this argument, don't go, makes no sense because it's not like I'm paying to go. It's not like I'm offended by something that I chose to enter into. It's something that is being imposed upon the entire community by definition. And then she or he says, quit trying to legislate your moral views and try being more tolerant of all people. And again, do you see the fallacy here? Do you see the duplicity and the hypocrisy in that statement? Quit trying to legislate your moral views and try being more tolerant. Well, isn't this person essentially arguing for her moral views or his moral views to be part of the public policies? It should be legal. Therefore, it should be legislated that all of these adult performances are A-OK. And anybody who re responds and says, we don't want them to be legal, we don't want them to be acceptable in our community, you're the ones that are being intolerant, you're the ones that are trying to legislate your morality, while we're legislating our morality by suing the city and saying, you have to allow us to do this legally in your community, in your city. That's legislation. That's legal talk. A lawsuit, by definition, is a legal action to change the law, okay, or to reinterpret the law, or to enforce a law. That's the nature of a lawsuit. That's the nature of this debate. So again, this person is sawing off the branch upon which they sit with every word they speak. Okay, so let's move on to another article that I wrote and a response that I received from that. Very angry person. In fact, I believe he posted probably 20, 30 different responses to people that were defending the article and agreeing with it. He just uh, lost his mind. So I wrote an article last week for the Washington Times whereby I was agreeing with Matt Walsh's summary of what the Democrat Party stands for right now, where he said uh, their closing argument is basically this, vote for us so we can castrate your children, use your money to pay for abortions, and put pornography in your schools. If you don't vote for us, says Walsh, then you are a Nazi and democracy will die. Now, is Walsh being aggressive? Um, sure he is. But here's, here's the question. Is what he's saying substantially, if not completely, true? And I was arguing that indeed that's the case because the litmus test for party loyalty right now for the Democrat Party is support of abortion. First trimester, second trimester, third trimester, it doesn't matter, five seconds before birth. Almost all Democrats, especially the party leadership, you know, Pelosi, Harris, Biden, Schumer, the list goes on, AOC, they believe in abortion with no restrictions. And if there are any restrictions whatsoever, then you're anti-woman and you're a terrible human being. You're a Nazi. Democracy will die, like Walsh is saying. So you also can't dispute the fact that these drag queen performances are supported by the Democrat Party. LGBTQIA, that's all that matters. Love and tolerance, inclusion, that's all that matters. And you can't, you also can't dispute that the Democrat Party is supporting uh, this infusion of LGBTQIA, alphabet soup lunacy, into the curriculum of our public schools. I've shared with you a number of books that are in your public libraries. The social-emotional learning curriculum that Joy Hoffmeister here in Oklahoma championed, championed and still does. Okay, these are facts. So let's deal with the facts, right? If you disagree with me, if you think that I'm being, uh, if, if, you, if you think I'm wrong or if I'm being hyperbolic or I've exaggerated this to some extent, then deal with that. But this man, uh, this man that responds to me, I think it's a man anyway. I, I, I don't know for sure, but let's just say he is. He says 
that everything I just said is a lie. Well, how so? Prove me wrong. Because I just shared with you some facts. You see it in the news, evidence therein. He just says it's all a lie. And it's very unchristian to make the claim that I just did. He then goes on and says, there's no doubt that if Christ were to choose to walk on this earth today, that there's no way he would join a cult like yours, like the MAGA GOP. Well, there he goes. All of a sudden, because I stand against abortion, I stand against porn in our schools and in our curriculum, and I stand against the misogyny of the trans argument, the trans lunacy of claiming that a man can be a woman, and I stand against minors being encouraged or enabled to butcher their bodies by removing functioning body parts, all because I stand against those things. I'm MAGA? Well, who says? Who says that I even agree with the MAGA movement or Donald Trump? You have no idea on the basis of my argument in this article whether or not I'm pro-Trump or anti-Trump. It's not relevant in any way, shape, or, sh or form. So his ranting about MAGA and Donald Trump is completely off base. It is nothing but a non sequitur. There's no sequence here. There's no logic. There's no connection whatsoever to the premise of my argument and his response. Now, as we wrap up the show, I want to deal with another thing. And that's a response to Matt Walsh and others like him. If you want to put me in that category, that's fine. I don't care. Um, certainly not as well known as Matt Walsh, but is my tone is my delivery similar to his? Well, let's just say that it is. All right? So this claim of, well, Matt Walsh is too harsh, or Piper, you're being too hard on the local community leaders. You're not being nice. All right? Nice isn't cutting it any longer. This is my response to that. My community here in Northeast Oklahoma is celebrating public exhibitions that would rival those of Sodom. And that's not hyperbolic. Look at the pictures. And what do we see from the conservatives on our city council? These people that we've elected to serve us, to guide our community, to protect our community, to keep the definition of our community well-defined within our ordinances, our mission, our commonly accepted standards. What do we see from these city officials? these government officials. They don't seem to have the wherewithal to even sign a petition calling for this junk to be taken off our public streets. One of the city council members did. It's my understanding that none others followed suit. Now, that doesn't mean I don't like these people or I'm being hateful toward them. I just think it's shameful that they didn't do anything. I mean, it basically boils down to this. Our, our town is in trouble. Our, our community hangs in the balance. There are people that have been charged to lead and they're not doing so. That's, that's not their job. Their job is not to cower. Their job is to have courage and confidence and to lead accordingly. Where's the leadership? Where's the confidence? Doesn't anybody have a spine any longer? This stuff that's going on right now is not the town I moved to 20 years ago, which isn't that long, to be quite candid. 2002, this stuff, was, this stuff would have never been even on the table, whether it be from the corporate community or whether it be from the church community. This wouldn't have been on the table. Well, you say that's good. This is progress. Really? That's progress? To have adult sexual performances 
provocative performances, drag queen performances in our public parks. That's progress. That's what you want us to be. I, I had a national political leader recently talk to me, and he said when he visited Bartlesville, he, he recognized a heaviness, a, a demonic oppression, a spiritual warfare. And I know if you're listening to me and you don't believe in the Bible, you're laughing. Oh, demonic oppression, spiritual warfare. Piper actually just went there. Well, that is biblical. It's in the Bible. So if you're a Christian in any shape or form, you have to attend to the fact that Jesus himself said, the gates of hell are real, and he'll protect the church from that satanic oppression from that satanic warfare. Is that what's going on right now? Well, I have one national political leader who's saying yes. He could feel it when he was in town. And he actually stopped and he prayed for deliverance and protection for Bartlesville, this community. My argument is we're in trouble. Our town and our community hang in the balance, like I just said a couple minutes earlier. There are principalities and powers, and that's biblical language. I'm using the Bible there. You can mock what I just said all you want, but don't cherry-pick your Bible verses and ignore that reality that there are principalities and powers out there. This is not just a materialistic existence. There's a spiritual reality. That spiritual reality starts with God. He is spirit, not material. So don't be a materialist here and mock anybody who argues that there are principalities and powers in play in these debates. My argument is that this is satanic. How can you look at these pictures of what they're doing to these children, the images that they're putting in their minds at their youngest ages, the total degradation and compromise of a child's innocence? It's satanic. And being nice doesn't cut it when you're fighting the devil himself. Exorcisms aren't pretty, and neither is God's judgment on a people who will not pay attention to him, people who refuse to stand for him, people who want to be comfortable rather than confront. I'm arguing that this is a tipping point, and I'm losing my patience with those who want to shoot the messenger, whether it be me or you or anyone else who's shouting a prophetic message, a warning. Not saying that I'm a prophet who can foretell the future, but in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks of the very of the various different gifts of the body of Christ. Some are teachers, some are prophets, some some have the gift of exhortation, some have the gift of discernment. Well, there's clearly a role for a prophetic voice within the church, within the community, within culture. And part of a prophetic voice is the voice of warning. I'll say that again, the voice of warning. So chastising the, the voice of warning, call it a prophet if you want, because his comments are just too harsh or his style is, 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 is too off-putting. That chastisement is, is the fallacy of shooting the messenger rather than attending to the message. Uh, th that never leads you to the right conclusion. It's a fallacy of distraction. Well, I don't like you. I don't like your tone. I don't like your voice. Matt Walsh is a jerk. You know, he thinks he's so funny, but can you believe what he said? I mean, several years ago, I was aware of somebody who posted an angry response to Matt Walsh because he was such a jerk, such a terrible human being, not realizing that their 
tweet in response to Matt Walsh's tweet basically proved that they were just as acerbic and mean-spirited as what they were accusing Matt Walsh of being. In her angry reaction, her political reaction, I would argue, to Matt Walsh, this person demonstrated that she was essentially willing to get down in the gutter and behave the same way as the guy she was a she was criticizing for his behavior. This makes no sense. We all do it all the time. I'm sure I've done it. And when I do, I need to back it up and apologize and not do it again. But the point here is to emphasize, to draw a light, shine a light on the fallacy of shooting the messenger rather than attending to the message. The... I'm not perfect. Matt Walsh isn't perfect. You aren't perfect. Nobody's perfect, short of Christ. Noah wasn't perfect. Jeremiah wasn't perfect. Isaiah, Jonah, none of these, Micah, Amos, none of the prophets of old were perfect. In fact, if you go back and read the stories, they all had a lot of chinks in their armor. They were fearful. Sometimes they were cowards. Sometimes they obeyed, like Jonah, at least ultimately. I mean, he didn't at first. He fleed because he didn't want to talk to the people of Nineveh. They were too corrupt. They were too evil. And as far as he was concerned, they could all burn in hell. So he he fled. And then as the result of being confronted, you know, God sent a fish to, to teach him a lesson. Jonah actually goes and preaches to the people of Nineveh, and they do repent. Nineveh repents. And even then, Jonah doesn't like it. He's pouting. This is not necessarily model behavior on his part. So the prophets, the people of warning, were not necessarily perfect people. In fact, show me one that was. Their voice was strong. Their voice did scream warning. By definition, that's what they were called to do. They they did shine a light on their city councils, on their, on their mayors, on their county commissioners, on their congressmen, on their senators. They did shine a light on what was going on in these communities, these towns, Sodom and Gomorrah and other towns that people were so proud of. They did call out the Chamber of Commerce leadership. That was their job. That's what God called them to do. And they didn't do it nicely. What did I say when I started this last commentary here in the last part of the show? I said, Nice doesn't cut it anymore. Being nice while your children are being groomed in a public park and they're being taught how to give dollar bills to men as they strut in front of them and dance in this costume that I've described while these men stroke their thighs in a seductive way. It's on film. Don't tell me it's not there. Don't even pretend to tell me that this isn't sexual or intended to be provocative. Of course it is. Anybody suggesting otherwise is blatantly lying. Please don't go there. If you want to try to justify it and say that you want it in our public parks, then have at it. But when I say this is crazy talk and shame on our city leaders for not saying so and not immediately saying, wait a second, we've got laws against this. Take this stuff private if you want to do it, but don't do it in the public square, in the public parks, on our streets, on our sidewalks. If, our, if we only have one city councilman willing to sign a petition that essentially says that, we have a problem. 
And like I said, history repeats itself. We've been here before. This is a deja vu moment in my view. There's nothing new under the sun. That's what Ecclesiastes tells us. Everything that goes around comes around. And the warnings of the past need to be attended to today. The harshness with which the prophets address this stuff of the past is something that needs to be employed today. Being nice doesn't cut it. One more time. Being nice doesn't cut it. I'm not going to be nice while I watch my neighbors, young families, young children being groomed and indoctrinated by this kind of entertainment in our public square. Our communities across the country, like I said earlier, are celebrating public exhibitions that would rival those of Sodom. And no, that's not hyperbolic. That's not an exaggeration. And if you've got conservatives in your city that you've elected, you need to aggressively tell them to come out and do their job. You know what? I don't apologize for saying that. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.